You're listening to the Irish Times Inside Politics podcast. It's Wednesday, May the 17th, and you're very welcome to the weekly politics podcast from the Irish Times. I'm Hugh Linehan. With me today are Sean Fleming, the Fianna Fáil TD for Leash Offaly and Chair of the Public Accounts Committee, along with Mary Minahan from our political staff. You're both very welcome. Mary, as ever, I was reading your uh, politics email digest in the Irish Times. If you're an Irish Times subscriber, do sign up to that straight away. And you, like I, were at a, an interesting sort of elegiac event in the summer sunshine yesterday evening. Uh, it was a real gathering, I suppose, of political geeks from all across uh, the country, really. It was the launch of the Irish Times' Neelan's Guide to the 32nd Doll and 25th Shannad. And I Described s- by Miriam Lord as uh, porn for political anorexia, I think. Charming. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> exactly what it is. And our guest, Sean Fleming, actually gets a very honourable mention in the book. There are lots of little interesting facts about politics and Sean Fleming comes in fifth on the top six vote-getters in the general election of 2016. I'm sure you were well aware of that fact, Sean, but I- I it had escaped me. I'll throw one other fact in that you might know. I was in a three-seater constituency and actually it's Leash now. We're separated yeah. from Leash Offaly. Yeah. So Leash on its own with a part of uh, South Kildare thrown in. I got about 1.4 quotas now. I was on my own and next to Healy Ray, it's just the highest quota percent in the country. Indeed. I don't say that very often but seeing as you're mentioning I don't want to rain on your parade Sean but I saw I remember during the elections one political preview said that Leash was the most boring and predictable constituency (laughs) in the country Yeah, The outcome was pretty clear and it would have been better had we a few extra candidates in the field to broaden the field I agree with that Because traditionally the big Leash Offaly before the the split the big Leash Offaly constituency it was very geographical as well Mm. as party based wasn't it? It it was two separate counties and they both effectively did their own thing we only came together on polling day and then we went our separate ways for the next several years but it's now quite different and that's because of the population increase in County Leash. When I started as a TD the population was 48,000 it is now 84,000 75% increase in population is the highest percentage increase in population for any county on the island of Ireland in the last 10 years. Gosh, and I think incum- it's probably fair to say, Sean, incumbents like boring and predictable, don't they? I think it's the fellows that, and the girls that are snapping at your heels that aren't so fond of that. Yeah. But anyway, all that information contained in the Neelands Guide, which I'd recommend to anyone. Rush out and buy it now. But as you say, Hugh, uh, it was a really interesting event last night mm. in the sultry Dublin sunshine in the evening. And Enda Kenny came in and made a really curious speech, a uh, long speech, reflective almost wistful at times. And he, he he said some extraordinary things. He talked about um, how politics is perceived now. It's become degraded and debased for some people, seen as entertainment and gossip. And he talked about politicians saying they're looking for delivery, while the people actually wanted deliverance. Yeah, deliverance what does that actually what? mean? You were, you, you referred to the, the 1970s sort of horror film of the, of the same name with the famous duelling banjos. I'm not sure that's exactly what he meant. But. I don't think that that spooky film is quite what he had in mind but it just prompted this image in my mind of Simon Coveney and Leo Varadkar each taking up a banjo and <laughs> and setting off once the starting pistol is what do you fired. Think, it stru- it, it struck me to be fair, it struck me I, that I, I think what he meant was that you've had a, a political system in many countries over the last 20 years or more which have had these very technocratic politicians who were, you know, it was about managing the economy as well as possible, delivering good figures in terms of the economic metrics. 
and that what we've seen over the last few years since the economic crash with the rise of populism in its various forms is a sort of a desire on the part of the electorate for something, some form of, of, of more nebulous thing which will make them happier or solve their problems in some way, which is very difficult to define. It is, but my view on that is that is a view held by some of the electorate. I think some of the electorate just want delivery as in more money in their pocket and those type of people would have voted for Fine Gael and their tax cuts and USD cuts in the last election. We fought it on the deliverance aspect of it as in improving the health services. We said if there's money available, most of it should go on frontline service, health service, education and uh, improvement for people on no incomes. So that's the election we fought and we did quite well, but there is... So you're the deliverance party. This could be an interesting yeah, strategy. Yeah, and, and, and I think Fine Gael fought it on delivering money into people's pocket by way of tax cuts and there's the market out there for that too. Well, that is an ideological debate and this has become something actually following the Taoiseach round and listening to him all the time as we do, it's become almost a single transferable speech for him, kind of the John Hume model which he tweaks depending on where he is and what kind of audience he has. I, I heard him make a very similar speech in The Hague recently and he talked about centrist parties needing to become radical again and whether or not they had gone too far away from the people and whether or not it was too late for them to recapture their traditional vote. He made a kind of a similar appeal when he was in Canada. So I think you can almost see him, you know, reflecting on his career, reflecting on what has happened to, you know, the big centre-right groupings like Fine Gael and other parties across Europe and the sense that they are, okay, they're in government, you know. They're, they're, in, they're in better shape than the centre-left groupings well, in, indeed, in many that's countries. A whole story but they do there is this sense that there's a there's been an awakening among people who have never been interested in politics have really kind of said oh, they're just a shower of whatever's you know but I have suddenly started to engage and you know I think increasingly we're, we're seeing that kind of those individual uh, unique candidates kind of coming forward that don't have a party brand. And what do you make then, Sean, or what does Fianna Fáil actually make of this Fine Gael analysis? Because I've seen something similar expressed in the Irish Times pages by, by Pascal Donoghue as well, that kind of a, the importance of holding the centre ground and not ceding too much ground to the, to the extremes of, of both left and right. And possibly implicit in that from the Fine Gael argument is that that's a shared programme to at least some extent with Fianna Fáil, which is re- reflected in the current arrangement. I I think that's where a lot of Irish people are at. I think historically over recent decades and even the last election, the vast majority of Irish people vote for Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael. The figure might vary 60, 70, 80% maybe on previous occasions. Mm, a lot less now than it was. Yeah, it is less than it was. And, and that's because of the economic recession and downturn and people have been angry with the parties who were in power. And we suffered as a result of that. And we're gradually trying to rebuild trust. But I understand most Irish people, regular middle-of-the-road people, are trying to rear their family, you know, look after their business, look after their house, get kids to school, look after elderly people in the family if they need help. And most people are in that space. I think there's people on the two extremes don't like that comfortable space and are happier if there's a bit of discord in society. But I do believe that the two main parties represent the overwhelming majority of the Irish people. But there are an, a, a reasonable, significant percent of sometimes 25, 30 percent of people who don't 
fit into that group. Now, I suppose then that begs the question of what's going to happen with the current arrangement over the over the next while. I mean, after the the the, the event in Marion Square, I camped down to the park and met my family. We were there in the sun. It was a beautiful evening yesterday, and we were there. And then the Taoiseach and his uh, his team came walking back through the park, presumably on their way back to government buildings. And there were people running up to him and grabbing him for selfies and giving him hugs, and it was all very lovely. But it was I definitely got the feeling between the event and watching that that this is somebody who is just about to, the general expectation is that later today he will, quote, make his intentions clear and the firing gun will be started in in, in the Fine Gael leadership election. What is Fianna Fáil's posture on that? Do you just step back and say, let the matter, it's got nothing to do with us? Well, in Ireland, we've been lucky that most political parties stand back from contests in other political parties when let each group get their own house in order and do their own business. I wouldn't appreciate if many years down the road, if Michal Martin re- retired decades down the road, perhaps, <laughs> that if other well, parties... You see him leading into well into his 70s then? No, well, he's only in his early 50s, I think, at this stage. But the point I'm coming at, I, I don't think it'd be good for the contest for Fianna Fáil or the other parties to try and influence the outcome of that. And I think there's a good, healthy respect for that. Our programme, the Confidence Supply Agreement, is with Fine Gael. It's not personally with Enda Kenny. Uh, we didn't um, get involved in the personalities during the debate. It's a policy issue. There's a big list of issues there. And they're the issues we want delivered and we've said we would support three budgets providing that agreement is implemented and worked on by the government. The personalities of the leader is not an issue for us. The only issue it might be an, a point for the incoming leader. The question will be what will be the incoming leader's attitude to that confidence and fly agreement. We're happy with it. We'll implement it once it's delivered. You may find an incoming leader of Fine Gael quite happy to continue, but you may find an incoming leader not happy to implement the agreement that's there. Isn't and that it, will be strictly on the hands of... If isn't isn't the political reality, though, Mary, I, I think I'm right in saying, but correct me if I'm wrong, that the last time there was a contest to be the leader of a party which held the... which, which was in government at the time, and therefore it also involved the, effectively the election of a new Taoiseach would have been when Albert Reynolds succeeded yes, Charles yeah, Haughey. Yeah. And that didn't turn out very well for the, the then government formation, which was with the with the PDs. Yeah, I think it's a kind of a, an almost a rule of politics that, you know, people who step into positions rather being elected, of course, the, the new Fine Gael leader will be elected, but by a pr- very particular electorate made up of Fine Gael TDs, senators, MEPs, councillors and party members. But uh, I'm, I'm talking about a much wider electorate than that. I, I mean, we might be looking at an extraordinary position now where the whole balance of politics of the country shifts to Cork now when we have uh, Michal Martin in place and perhaps Simon Coveney if he triumphs over Liam Radker. But yeah, I, I'm I not sure. What, what do we think about those of us who are not from Cork? Um, <laughs> what do we feel about this Cork on Cork possible competition? To well, be I'm neither from Cork nor Dublin, so I'm neutral on that topic. But I think it's probably fair to say that Fianna Fáil want, want, would have liked Dan Kenny to stay in place for as long as possible. Uh, you know, I mean, Fianna Fáil are they're in a bind. They have an extraordinary arrangement where they're kind of half in, half out of government. And we have to hold our hands up and say it's been hard for political journalists, I think, to get our heads around it, never mind the politicians and, and the public as well. But increasingly, right, right or wrong, and it's probably not right, the way people engage with politics has a lot to do with the face on the poster. You know, we've we've witnessed a presidential campaign in France that's a, di- a very different system and it, it almost kind of got portrayed as a kind of a good and evil, you know, positive and negative thing, which I don't think is healthy at all. But that's what we're looking at here, I think, as, as Fine Gael 
I mean, the, the campaign is on and has been on for quite some time. But if, as expected, and how many times have we ended up with egg mm-hmm. on our face by predicting that this was the week that Enda Kenny was going to make the announcement at it's the parliament? It's going to get very messy very fast if it isn't. I, the week. I do. I mean, yeah. I said that four weeks ago, but I do think it's going to be tricky for him to actually get out of the parliamentary party rooms this evening if he doesn't set out some kind of a time frame. Uh, you know, if not a departure date, that will sort of finally, you know, fire the fire the starting gun in this this contest that's that's well underway already. Mm. The, the biggest difficulty there, I think, um, the public have with this issue is I remember just after the budget last year, there was a question of Enda Kenny retiring before Christmas, and it was shoved to January, and then it was shoved to. March and then it was going to be after Patrick's Day, then it was going to be Easter and then it's after Easter. We've had no government effectively in place um, since Budget Day, the middle of October last year. We've had no serious legislation put through because what has happened, all the ministers were on standby for an election since last autumn. This didn't start last week, last month. It's on the agenda and we're now going to have probably a summer of it um, if there's an election shortly. We'll have new ministers in place who will have to read themselves into the position. So the first sign of this government will be Budget Day in October. So we'll have actually gone for a year. And so Mary's right then government. when she says that from Fianna Fáil's point of view, it would have been much better if Enda Kenny was remaining as Taoiseach for pretty much the fullness of this particular term of the Oireachtas. No, it's totally his call because he did say he didn't want to lead Fine Gael into the next general election. So whenever that's going to be, I don't know. But I just wonder in the sense that I know talking to people in Fianna Fáil, they would feel that Coveney and Varadkar were more dynamic candidates and then that does raise the question of, of generational change Michael mm. Martin will of course be one of the most as you say yeah. he's, he's not he's not an old man by any means but uh, he well, Kenny was joshing at Jerry Adams about when was he going to when was he going to step down because Jerry Adams is, is almost 70 if Jerry Adams that seems very likely will step down at some point in, in the term of this talk yeah. Michael Martin will be the oldest leader of a major party going into the next general election yeah, and, in, and, and as I said in his early mid 50s not, that's not not old, I think, in most people's eyes. So we might be in a situation in Ireland with the large increase in population. We have a younger set of politicians generally across the board than perhaps in other countries. You know, and you mentioned Sinn Féin. You know, that's a classic example of somebody who's much older. Andy Kenny, not sure what age he is. I'm sure he's well in his 60s. 65. Mid-60s. That's coming up to normal retirement age for a lot of people. But you do have quite a lot of younger people coming through in all parties. Do you think, Mary, that that might be an issue at all for Micheál Martin? He's standing at the TV debate for the next general election. Mary Lou Macdonald is on one side, Leah Varadkar is on the other. Um, and he's kind of a familiar face who's been in senior office for 20 years or more. Yeah, I think people might think Michal Martin is older than he actually is because he does seem to have been around forever. He was actually born in 1960. You know, Enda Kenny was born in 1951. But, you know, there definitely is a sense of a changing of the guard must be coming soon. Just naming those names, Enda Kenny, Michal Martin, Jerry Adams, Brendan Howland in charge of Labour now. There is going to be a gener- generational shift sooner or later. I think there can, you know, there can be no doubt about it that that a move is coming there. What about whoever the next Taoiseach is? He'll be he or she, I should say, although it seems very likely to be a he, will be, as you say, Sean, bringing a new cabinet uh, election by the doll. Does the confidence and supply arrangement just continue as previously or does it need to be renegotiated or reinvigorated in some way when that happens? As I've already mentioned, we're happy with the agreement we signed up. We signed up for um, three budgets and uh, we took the long view at that stage before the government was formed. I would hope the, whoever the incoming leader, Fine Gael, will honour that from the government, Fine Gael side. And remember, there are independents in government as well. He'll have to 
he or she, whoever is the leader of Fine Gael, will have to make sure that they're satisfied a continuing government. So that's the first element. Fianna Fáil's position is the only one that's crystal clear. There is an agreement. We'll honour it full stop. Now, if somebody else wants to come from the other side of the table, that's a different issue. And they're not saying they will. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and what about the suggestion that you wouldn't, for example, support um, the nomination of Francis Fitzgerald for, for Minister for Justice in a new government? Yeah, I'm not sure. I, I'm hearing people saying that, and I, um, there, there is an issue, and I've used the phrase myself, we have diminishing confidence in Francis Fitzgerald's role as Minister for Justice. We don't have no confidence, but we have less confidence than we had 12 months ago, and I think that's fair enough and people understand that, and I think any income teacher should be aware of the level of public confidence in ministers before he appoints them, not just the view of Fianna Fáil. And okay, that's I, not quite saying that you won't support her, though. Well, should the next Taoiseach yeah, retain her in that position? Yeah, well, my understanding is it's a constitutional matter for the Taoiseach to nominate a cabinet. I, I would go so far as to say if a Taoiseach is not in a position to do that, he's lost his mandate under the constitution. But that cabinet will only be agreed by the Dáil with, with Fianna Fáil um, abstaining because that's the current arrangement, isn't it? Yeah, we could support it or we can abstain and the arrangement in place is that the onus is always on the government to be able to carry uh, a vote in the Dáil with Fianna Fáil not voting against them or abstaining. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't require us to ever vote with the government. So back to Mary's earlier point, we're partly in government and partly not in government. As she said, in fact, we've probably voted against the government more often in the last 10 months than we've voted for. And that's government. the nature of the confidence and supply arrangement that yeah. particularly relates to significant financial matters or issues of confidence, which I mean, there is no greater issue of confidence than uh, than the election of a new cabinet and a new Taoiseach and his cabinet. Well, that's actually not covered in this. Uh, you know, the agreement really deals with budgetary matters in terms of three budgets. We didn't mention uh, reappointment of cabinet posts or because you remember when we signed that agreement, he then had to do an agreement with the independents subsequent to that and they have their programme for government, which we're not a party of. So everybody gets a little bit confused. There are two documents out there. There's a Fianna Fáil confidence and supply agreement with Fine Gael, but after that there's a programme for government between Fine Gael and their independents, which we have not signed up to and we're not part, we don't have a problem with most of it, but I'm just saying there is a separate document that he has to be, the new leader of Fine Gael has to be conscious of too. It was very interesting that Sean mentioned Budgets? Yeah. Where is the budget? I mean, normally in this stage in the political cycle, we would be consumed by budget stories. But I think the point you made earlier is correct, Sean, that we have been so preoccupied. Yeah. Not not just the media, sometimes yeah. people claim. I yeah. think the entire workings of government yeah. and probably even, you know, the whole institution really of the Eructus has been so consumed by what's going on or not going on at the top of Fine Gael. The point Fianna Fáil has been making recently about Francis Fitzgerald, like you might argue that that's an, an easy point to score because whoever takes over from Enda Kenny, there will be a reshuffle. Frances Fitzgerald undoubtedly would be very keen to remain in her position, but she may not will do she? so. She may not. It's my sense uh, from talking to the, the teams around the, the two uh, leadership contenders, Lee Recker and Simon Coveney, is that they're you know, they're not exactly delighted with this minority government uh, arrangement with these, you know, helpful or or otherwise independents tagged on as well. Uh, now, I don't know whether I'm may- maybe being a bit motivated by my, you know, all Paul Corr's love and election, but, you know, I, I wouldn't be entirely surprised if we were landed in, into an election much and sooner than And I suppose there's a think. number of routes where that might happen. Just the, the sheer destabilising impact of the of the, of the the change of leadership and some form of cabinet reshuffle that that might have on the, on the relationship with Fianna Fáil and indeed with the independents in yeah. government. 
government or indeed a, a political judgment made by a new leader that uh, that the Theresa May option uh, might be the better one. This is it. And just to look at the time frame, I think June 7th is going to be a, a very significant date. Of course, we reported at the beginning of the month that the Taoiseach was done with his foreign jaunts and, and the government press secretary confirmed that there was nothing else in the diary, nothing else planned. But of course, that was right at the time, as we say. And it's wrong now because he's off to the US again. He's going on an Enterprise Ireland mission to Chicago now from the 4th to the 6th of June. And then he's stopping off in Belgium uh, for a First World War commemoration on the 7th. But he will actually be back that day. And what's significant about that date is that is the date that uh, Fine Gael is expected the TDs etc are meant to be casting their ballots in the leadership elections so on that actual day when he would be returning when, when he would be returning seems to, Ireland. to be the time frame at the moment so. and the, and then we would have white smoke on the on the following day if 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 over, it pans out that over way. those few days yeah if it pans out and how many times have we laid out a time frame that's been completely wrong because my understanding but, um, is the parliamentary party vote according to Fia Kelly who's really been digging deep in the mines on this stuff is the parliamentary party vote would be the last portion of this three college election yeah. And yeah. it obviously doesn't take very much to very long to count. The most, the most powerful they figures, yeah. so that therefore you would have a result on the eighth, yeah. the day, the day when the UK is going to an election show. Interesting times. <laughs> he said it. Now we did just. I mean, speaking of Francis Fitzgerald, I mean, in, in, in your position of chair of the PAC, obviously you've been extremely involved in the shenanigans around uh, Noreen O'Sullivan, Temple Moore. The, barely a week seems to go by without another scandal. There's another historical one floating around this week about alleged illegal tapping. Of tapping of phones back back in the past, will the PAC be calling Norman O'Sullivan back in? I expect so. Uh, tomorrow morning, the Public Accounts Committee will decide what action we are taking as a result of the Temple Moore internal audit report. The interim report that was published some time ago. There are other issues out there. We are told the CNAG may report further on the matter in September, and there may be further internal reports from the Garda Síochána on that. So the question is, do we? Um, examine what's in front of us as of now and that would involve bringing back witnesses including the Commissioner Noreen O'Sullivan you know, over the coming weeks I'll just put it that way. She'd already agreed to come in on the 13th of July in connection with the um, um, the, the breathalyzer test issue mm. the, the numbers involved in that so that's a separate issue. So I would think we will see the Commissioner in earlier um, specifically on the Temple Moore specific issue and it'll be a question of, you know, her role and her involvement on it since she became aware of it. You know, we know issues have gone back a long time, long before she was commissioner. Some of it goes back to when the Department of Justice were in control of Temple Moore many years ago. Uh, but we're more concerned about what is the commissioner doing about it since she became aware of the issue. And of course, at the same time, we had the announcement yesterday of, of the, the, the team of people who will be involved in this, this broader inquiry, which is clearly badly needed. I don't know it's badly needed at all. Or, or some say we've had too many inquiries. <laughs> You're the first person to say it's badly <laughs> needed. I think we have enough reports and a bit of... I think back then to Kenny, where we started a few minutes ago, delivery, they're expecting a bit of delivery in the reports that are out there and I think we're heading off on the deliverance route down the road somewhere along the line. But this report might be useful but it shouldn't stop improvements happening over the next 16 months. We have a policing authority. I actually think it does undermine the policing authority because their job is to oversee the Garda Commissioner uh, and the operation of the Garda Síochána. We now have a body that's going to effectively oversee their work. I would hope that they continue to be active over the next 16 months. That's my main issue. You know, No problem with a new 
root and branch review. Once it doesn't mean everything stops in the meantime. So the work of the PAC in those areas will go on? Oh, the work of the PAC, but I'm more concerned about the work of the policing authority and the Garda Commissioner. Rather, I don't want everyone to say we must wait for the outcome of this review in 16 months before we can take any action. That's not what the public want either. And you, uh, you were there at that, that extraordinary moment uh, a week or more ago when there was a clear divergence of, of testimony given by the Commissioner and one of her most senior members of staff. Yeah. I mean, that in a way crystallised and illustrated the, the kind of the gravity of the situation we're dealing yeah, with. Yeah, what, what was interesting about that really was um, this was a civilian official in the Garda Shia and I think that was a significant issue because I don't think you would have seen a uniformed officer of the Garda Shia Khanna, uh, expressing such differing views than the commissioner and we'd asked the person sitting beside her that issue and he couldn't remember how long the meeting was. He said it was a long day, even though it was only six o'clock in the evening. We, I've sat in public accounts commissioner before when the previous commissioner made a remark about the disgusting opinion he had in relation to what Sergeant McCabe was doing and the current uh, commissioner was sitting right beside him. So I didn't hear any disagreement on that at that public accounts committee. So you don't tend in a structure like the Garda Shikon or the Defence Forces for a person at a rank below, a person who was speaking, contradicting them. But I think civilians feel less encumbered. Can I ask you a question, yeah. Sean? Actually, it's just yeah. something that is interesting to me. Uh, obviously, Fianna Fáil now are, are saying they'd seek to remove uh, the commissioner from office if elected. I, I just wonder, it was put to me yesterday by a, um, a very senior person in government, actually, that um, most, the majority of TDs aren't getting representations about this to their offices. You know, people aren't coming, beating the doors down, asking them to get rid of Noreen O'Sullivan. Now, I'm not for a minute suggesting that's the only thing that should motivate you, but I just know that the great thing about our, our system, I think, is that TDs are so responsive to the community. Are, are you getting many representations on that? I'll be upfront. I got far, far more emails about the Citizens' Assembly sure, and, the, yeah. and those type of issues and repeal the eight. We get those all yeah. the time maybe they're the same you know there might be similar groups of people sending in those whereas what I would say about the I don't get any representations um, from members of the public on it because most people are concerned as I said at the very beginning about their own daily lives and they expect the government to sort out these issues The, the citizens don't feel they have to get involved to the same extent it's a bit like macroeconomics, mm-hmm. they expect the government to deal with the big picture, whereas most people want to get on with their daily lives. But I don't think that takes from the issue. I think confidence in the Gardaí is a big issue. What I do know is that um, the public are a, a little bit... Uh, they're very concerned about when they hear these statistics that they can't believe about the breath test. You know, we've all seen guards are doing their breath test in the last couple of weeks and, you know, people roll down, is this one or two you're doing and whatever. Mm. So that's not good for the Gardaí. What it reminds me of, I'll give you exactly the parallel I find. During the banking crisis, the bank officials on the front line, on the counter, took terrible abuse because of what the guys in the boardroom upstairs did. The, the guys in the boardroom upstairs were a little bit insulated for it and I believe Gardaí are suffering on the ground from their own lack of morale and a bit of lack of respect from the public and it's a bit like the people on the front desk, they're taking the flag and that's who I'm concerned about. But I mean, I, I hear what you're saying when you, or at least like what I think you're implying when you suggest that the new process which has just kicked off is a, another can-kicking exercise, that, that we have a, a sur- we've had a surfeit of inquiries and tribunals and all kinds of things over yeah. a quarter of a century now really yeah. and we still seem to have still, still seem to have the same problems but do you, and does Fianna Fáil agree with the kind of the emerging view 
view that it's a, a sort of a patent type process is, is required here, a, a much more fundamental reorganisation. Yeah. Michael Martin would have said that quite some time ago in Jim McCallaghan. I think we were the people making those type of statements, those specific remarks, and we're pleased that some of the people involved in this uh, new review have knowledge of that and were involved in that. And I think that is going to be helpful because, you know, on the island, there are some common issues. There are obviously different security issues in Northern Ireland as well. And I think it is good that we have people who have knowledge of that involved in this process. I think that is good. Just a question, just to kind of wrap it up here, Mary. I'm looking at Enda there. He's a man who uh, is very experienced in the job, comfortable in his own suit there as, as Taoiseach. We're uh, moving into an incredibly fraught period, some might argue, potentially the most fraught period in the history of this state in, in, in many decades as Brexit gets really serious. Would he not be better off staying? <laughs> I can see why somebody outside looking in might say that, you know. But certainly the extraordinary thing about Brexit, while it has been like one of the biggest shocks to hit this government, it has also prolonged Enda Kenny's career by, a, you know, a very, very long time. But another thing he's been trying to do, I think, is to put the sort of clear blue water between himself and the various crises that have come up with the guards, which we're talking about again today. I think he has, you know, put so much time and so much clear blue water through it that between himself in it that it's kind of come round again, you know, because we didn't think we'd be here at this stage now uh, after the middle of May with him still in place. But but here we are. And while there is a kind of a, a, an end of days feel to this administration, because we all know, at least we think we know, that the, the leader of Fine Gael and the Taoiseach will be moving on from his position soon. Uh, you know, the Garda issue has been ramped up really by Fianna Fáil now in recent days. It's huge again. Jim O'Callaghan and now Michael McGrath yesterday, you know, really making it an election issue, even though officially we're not actually in an election. And again, it points up this very, very strange governing arrangement, which, OK, may exist in other European countries, but we're, which we're still feeling our way. With and in and your view, what does it say, and I'll ask John to respond to this in a minute, what does it say about Fianna Fáil's strategy? Uh, well, it, it just points up how Fianna Fáil has difficulties on all sides because Michael McGrath is, is saying this this removal of Noreen O'Sullivan from office would be a priority for it. Uh, his his party, Fianna Fáil, if it takes office. And yet Fianna Fáil won't back a motion of no confidence in the Garda Commissioner. Why? Micheál Martin has been totally explicit about this because the party doesn't want to find itself on the same side as Sinn Féin. Because especially on an issue for obvious reasons like the Gardaí, it's just, it's too sensitive and it's too, I think, unappealing for the Fianna Fáil base. I think that's the calculation that's being made. No, um, we're agreeing up to now, but I disagree on that issue. The, the reason we're not doing it is removing somebody from an office like that is a legal process. It's not a political process. And the legal process says very clearly there are specific grounds why a government can remove um, a commissioner. And one of those grounds is not because the members of Dáil Éireann think so. And for a government to... If we did pass a motion in the Dáil and it was carried and the government acted on that, it would be an illegal act to remove a commissioner just because uh, a majority of the Dáil felt it was a good thing to do. Mm. And that sacking wouldn't stand up in law. And we are a party that do respect the law. And that is the law and it is the position. And we didn't appoint her. But if the government separately comes to its own conclusion that they have lost confidence in the Garda commissioner, yes, they should remove her. But we are not in a position to affect that. And I think if we trespass quite that 
distant, I think we'd be setting up the government. Okay, well, well, accepting that, but maybe I could rephrase and maybe kind of turn on its head the question which I just put to Mary about Enda Kenny. Given the situation and the seriousness of the challenge which the country faces over the next two years, and given Fianna Fáil's sense of its its role in, in, in Irish history and in the state, should you not be trying to force an election so that you can lead whatever needs to be done over the next two, three, four years? Well, I think Mary kind of said we have difficulties on all sides and we made a very difficult, but I be- really believe the right decision. There are people in Fianna Fáil who believe we shouldn't be, have never supported Fianna Gael in government, that we should pull the plug at the first opportunity and I have party members who say that. But I have other party members who say to me the responsible thing to do is we need a government. I'm back to the the majority of Irish citizens who want to get on with their daily lives and they want to see a government of some description in place that's not meddling too much in their affairs and upsetting them too much and they would not appreciate a politician playing politics just causing an election because one had felt they had an advantage over the other. I don't think, you know, that might be easy. It would have been very easy for us to take a stronger line in the Garda Commissioner and it might have been popular and more populist with some people. We're actually taking a, a more considered view and I hope people will see the logic of why we do that, even though some people will criticise as far as. But I think people will take a slightly longer view than every time you see an opportunity jumping at it. So the agreement will last for the three budgets, Mary? As, I, as I, just, I, I just simply can't predict. Uh, like Mary, Sean Mary, makes Mary might tell us who she thinks the Minister of Finance will be. <laughs> that, that could be a big help. <laughs> do you think the Minister for Finance will be? Yeah. Well, I think there's one fellow that has his name on that job, isn't there? <laughs> he doesn't live too far from this constituency. No, no, he's just a the river there. Um. But Sean makes an interesting point, you know, about, I think you're right, Irish people in general prefer small government to big government. You know, they, they don't like the idea of government meddling in their affairs, but where is the vision thing in all this? And I think that is going to be something that's, that uh, comes to the fore if the uh, leadership campaign in Fine Gael pans out as, as the two main contenders expect. You know, I think you'll you'll hear kind of an appeal for one big party to emerge with a vision for, uh, you know, how Ireland should be in the future. And I think, you know, we'll hear echoes of Garrett Fitzgerald and Just Society and all those kind of uh, what Fine Gael people see as positives, you know, in their party in the past. So I suppose Fianna Fáil runs the risk there of when all the... Fo- Fianna Fáil used to be expert at this, keeping the focus on internal conflicts you know, in its own party. And, you know, Fine Gael, I suppose, has just taken a, a page from the Fianna Fáil playbook on that. But I think naturally so much focus now will be on the personalities who may lead Fine Gael in future. You, you, you see this thing about the candidates now being instructed to abide by a fair play agreement by the grandees of Fine Gael. But, you know, realistically, there's a there's a dirty war going on already. And there will just be so much attention paid to, to Fine Gael in this, you know, Fianna Fáil maybe quite content to kick back and let them get on with it but also maybe struggling for a little bit of attention. We do love a good dirty war here and have no fear we will be covering it in as much detail as we can over the next 12 the clock is against us but thanks very much to, to Sean for joining us today thanks also to Mary and that's it for this edition of Inside Politics thanks to our producer Jennifer Ryan and engineer JJ Vernon remember that you can find us on irishtimes.com slash podcast or you can subscribe via iTunes or whatever your preferred podcast provider may be and if you're already a subscriber we really are extremely grateful if you take a moment to share or recommend the podcast which helps to bring it to a wider audience remember you can mail me at hlinehan at irishtimes.com or you can find me on Twitter but until the next time goodbye and thanks very much indeed for listening 